welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on our program, vaccine confusion. One of the things to remember is Canada no longer has any domestic production capacity for vaccines. Um, we uh, used to have it uh, decades ago, but um, we no longer have it. Uh, countries like the United States, Germany and the UK uh, do have domestic pharmaceutical facilities, which is why um, they're obviously going to prioritize helping their citizens first. When will you be able to get that precious COVID-19 vaccine? Why is there so much confusion between the federal government and the premiers? We get the latest from the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc. Then we get opposition reaction from the Conservative health critic Michelle Rumpel-Garner and the NDP health critic Don Davies. Then back of the line. Well, I think not just myself, talking to the other premiers, we, we have a lot of questions to ask. Uh, when are we getting it? What are we getting? Because there's different vaccines. And, uh, you know, how much are we getting? Three simple questions that we need answers for. You know, when and, and how much and what type. Are the provinces getting the information they need from the federal government to give that vaccine? Did Canada fail to make sure it had domestic production of vaccines? We hear from Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe to tell us what he's heard from the federal government and why he believes his province could have helped. Plus, military rollout. Canada is well prepared for large-scale rollouts of vaccines, but this will be the biggest immunization in the history of the country. We must reach everyone who wants a vaccine, no matter where they live. With the announcement of the federal vaccine rollout plan and the Canadian Armed Forces Major General to lead it, what challenges will that pose? What will the military have to do to get a vaccine in your arm? Canada's former Chief of the Defence Staff, General Tom Lawson, and retired Major General Dave Fraser join us with their insight. And then COVID costs. What new spending will there be in the fall economic update tomorrow? The scrum weighs in on that with the CEO of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, Perrin Beatty. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. The Minister for Intergovernmental Affairs gave three answers to the same question about when vaccines would be arriving. First, it was January. Then he said sometime in 2021. Then it was the first quarter, Mr. Speaker. In one interview, Canadians saw that the Liberal government has no plan when it comes to a vaccine rollout for Canadians. The question to the Minister is simple. On what exact date will the vaccine for Canadians be here? Mr. Speaker, the member opposite is trying to confuse Canadians right now as we speak. In fact, what we know here on this side of the House is that we have worked incredibly hard as a government to procure seven leading vaccines, Mr. Speaker, more per capita than any other country in the world. In fact, Mr. Speaker, three of them under regulatory review right now, the only country in the world to have those three simultaneously reviewed. So the cracks between the federal government and the provinces are widening on the key question, when will you get a vaccine? The Prime Minister claimed last week that Canada doesn't have the facilities to produce vaccines domestically, so Canadians will have to wait until the countries that do serve their own first. That's led to mass confusion. Provinces like Ontario, Alberta and Saskatchewan, which had earlier announced when the vaccine would arrive, suddenly had to backtrack. Did they mismanage expectations or were they misled? Premier spoke to the Prime Minister on Thursday and demanded to know when their citizens will get vaccinated. 
are they being left in the dark? To get some answers on this key questions and the new rollout plan, let's bring on the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister, Dominic LeBlanc, who is also on that call. Minister, great to have you back on the program. Let's just start with this confusion and maybe you can clear it for our viewers today. Health Canada says the first vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna, and maybe um, AstraZeneca will be approved about along on the same timelines as in the U.S. That's mid-December. How long after Health Canada approves that will vaccines be shipped and jabbed into people's arms in Canada? Health Canada is working, obviously, with American and the European authorities on a rolling basis to ensure that there are no delays in the scientific approvals that will be necessary to ensure they're safe for use in Canada. We expect by the beginning of January, the first millions of doses to start to arrive in Canada, assuming those approvals are given, of course, and the number of vaccines that arrive will ramp up uh, over the months that follow January, February, and March. And that was uh, the tone of the conversation we had with the premiers earlier uh, in the week and, and on Thursday evening. And Evan, it was a very constructive and positive conversation. Uh, I certainly think, and the prime minister thinks, uh, a lot of the misunderstanding may have been cleared up. You said misunderstanding, and I've spoken to some premiers about it. Did the prime minister misspeak when he said those countries will serve the vaccines first to their countries, the people who can domestically produce it, before Canadians get theirs? Was that a mistake? Did that sow confusion? He's got to roll that back now? Obviously, the companies that are producing those vaccines will, at the very outset, start to supply the countries in which their biomanufacturing facilities are located. But at the same time, Evan, they will be shipping millions of doses around the world, including to Canada. And Canada is extremely well-placed in the lineup of right. countries to receive those vaccines from these international manufacturers once they're, de they're determined to be safe for use in Canada. Oh, okay, so, but, but, so let if, me, I'm just if, trying to get example, precision. I mean, if, for example, if, for example, in the middle of December, uh, the United States FDA approves the vaccines, very quickly thereafter, if not almost at the same time, Health Canada, because they're working right. together, will also be in a position, hopefully, to approve those vaccines. The United States is saying, December 11th, or let's call it a mid-December approval for some of the key vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, maybe AstraZeneca, they say that they can start shipping and actually getting that vaccine in people's arms literally in December. So I'm just trying to clarify, what's the distance of time between the approval of Health Canada and, and the number of Canadians that will get those first doses? And can you give us any idea of the exact number of doses right away, not at the deadline of like March 30th. If, as is speculated, the Americans approve in the middle of December uh, one or a number of these vaccine candidates, literally within a couple of weeks, millions of doses will start to arrive in Canada and we will have a very effective, very well-planned rollout system in partnership with provinces and territories to deliver that vaccine safely and effectively to Canadians. So the idea that there's a lag time of months and months and so on uh, is inaccurate. You guys were hammered in the past week about not signing licensing agreements to produce these vaccines domestically. Please clarify something for us. In the case of AstraZeneca, which probably is the one of the vaccine candidates that could have been produced, back in August, the Prime Minister announced a total of $44 million for the National Research Council in Montreal with the promise that the facility will be able to produce. And I'm going to read a quote from your government's press release. Quote, 
preliminary production of 250,000 doses of vaccine per month starting in November of 2020. It is November of 2020. The answer now is zero. What happened to the promise of a quarter of a million doses by November? So Evan, right now, the Royal Mount facility of the National Research Council, we announced it was $140 million, I think, last summer to literally construct additional biomanufacturing capacity on that site. And that project is underway right now. We knew also last summer that we did not have the ability on the very short term to be able to produce the quantities of vaccines necessary to vaccinate on a very urgent basis. Canadians produce those domestically. That's why we negotiated so effectively and aggressively these supply contracts with over 400 million potential doses, seven leading companies, as you know. Let's talk about the distribution rollout because the government on Friday appointed Major General Danny Fortin to head up the federal task force for distribution. There are questions why it waited, your government waited so long to get someone from the military there because the U.S. had one, you know, two months ago. But what will the distribution plan be? What will the military do? Who gets this vaccine first? So again, Evan, the, the Canadian Armed Forces have been working with the Public Health Agency of Canada and provincial authorities for many months. Since May of this year, there have been 29 meetings with provinces and territories specifically devoted to logistics of vaccine rollouts. So this has been a very, very extensive and long-standing conversation with provinces and territories. It's obviously going to ramp up over the coming weeks as the potential arrival of the vaccine approaches. To be fair, you, you got to do better with the provinces. To hear health ministers contradict the federal health minister and not know the vaccines, there's got to be some disconnect between the federal government Mr. LeBlanc and the provinces, because, man, when the Ontario health minister and premiers are saying, we don't know, we're promised, we're getting the wrong numbers, there's some case of vaccine gap, some broken telephone going on. <laughs> well, Evan, there's, and a lot of it is probably done by Zoom meeting and email and MS Teams, so there's no what? broken telephone. If we've had 29 meetings, Evan, since uh, May with provinces and territories, and as I say, senior military officers... The premiers in Atlantic Canada thanked the prime minister on the call Thursday I'm, for I'm having just senior you what, officers just from you what Atlantic the Command of Ontario reach said. out to them to begin to practice and to begin to rehearse the vaccine rollout. All right. Well, I'm just telling you what some health minister said, but I hope it's all getting fixed. We hope we all get that vaccine. Always good to have you, you, you know on the program. Be, Evan. You know it will be. All right. Uh, Mr. LeBlanc, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on the show. We know that most of the world will receive the vaccine before Canadians do. Why did the Prime Minister negotiate deals to put Canada at the back of the line for COVID-19 vaccines? Canada is the best country positioned with the most doses of vaccine per capita anywhere else in the world. In fact, we have seven leading candidates that we have procured, Mr. Speaker, three of them under regulatory review. In fact, you know what, Mr. Speaker, we're the only country that is reviewing all three leading candidates right now as we speak. First came the hope, a vaccine is near, that's the good news. But then came the discouraging admission from the Prime Minister that Canada will have to wait for other countries to give their citizens the vaccine before Canadians get theirs. Why? Well, he said that there's a lack of domestic production capacity in Canada. So why didn't Canada secure licensing deals for vaccines to be made in-house like other countries? 
Now, what will this mean for the big question, the main thing? When will vaccines get to you? Will we have to wait and watch people in the UK and the US and Germany and other countries get vaccinated months before Canadians? Let's get reaction from the opposition MPs. Joining us now, Michelle Rempel-Garner is the Conservative health critic, and Don Davies is the NDP health critic. Good to see both of you. Now, we just heard from Dominic LeBlanc before the break, Michelle Rempel-Garner, and both he and the Prime Minister have said, look, vaccines will be approved as early as mid-December, like in the U.S., and they'll get delivered as early as January if things go well. They say some vaccines will be delivered maybe by January. Do you trust that? Well, that's not what we're hearing from the provinces. I mean, as recently as uh, late this week, we had provincial government saying that they didn't know when they were getting the vaccine. There's been no vaccine readiness date uh, communicated to the provinces. And this is a major operation. Some of these vaccines, they're, they're new technologies. They require minus 70 storage and transport. So these are details the government should have been thinking about months ago. Compare that to the Americans. The Americans had a two-star general, I believe, leading the charge for over six months in f trying to figure out how to de deploy the vaccine into the American public. And that's going to bear fruit in the upcoming weeks. Why are we so behind as a country? Uh, Don Davis, let me just bring you in. The government's position is this. Look, we're going to get them. We have procured more doses than any country per capita in the world. Uh, maybe they're not on the Amazon Prime delivery schedule, but we're going to get them and everyone's going to, half the Canadians will be delivered on, uh, get a vaccine by September 2021. But there does seem to be a heck of a lot of confusion between the federal government and the provinces. What's your take now uh, after all these questions? Where do you think, when are we going to get the vaccine in your view? Well, near as I can tell, the, the best evidence uh, that I've heard is that we, we uh, are likely to get 6 million doses um, by April. That seems to be the, the hardest information we have. And, and I mean, the words you're using are, are exactly the ones in my mind, Evan, confusing. I mean, it, it's almost like we hear a different story every day, uh, different months, different amounts. Australia has issued a 12-page plan, a, a very similar country to ours, similar size federation, uh, that sets out in very close detail how they're going to vaccinate, who's going to do it, and by when. They're producing 30 million doses of AstraZeneca uh, vaccine domestically. So we know that countries can produce domestically. We know that they can be forthright about their plan. They know that they can reveal that to the public instead of being, you know, holding this information inside. So I, I just don't understand why this Canadian government here, the Liberals, are incapable of, uh, of doing the same thing here. Yeah, we haven't seen the plan, but they, they keep saying, Michelle Rempel-Garner, that look, we've signed the contracts, we don't have the domestic uh, capacity to produce, but don't worry, that won't matter. We'll still get them not far along. They've now appointed uh, Major General Fortin to lead the rollout for distribution. Uh, they seem to keep pressing that this will, this will go uh, better than uh, some might expect. So what questions now do you have for the federal government? Well, every day we lose on this, we lose what was the projection, Evan? 70 plus day lives in Canada, right? So this is literally every day is a deadly delay for Canada. So the question I have is, why don't, why don't we have this detail now? Like, to, to Don's point, every other country in the world has this information publicly available so that the public can be educated on very basic questions like where do I go? How many doses do I need? Who is getting this first? Is my el are my elderly parents available? How when do I become immune? How, after, how, 
after how long when I get the vaccine? These are basic questions that the government isn't able to answer. And you know, you can feel that sense of urgency in my voice because I mean, this is what my community cares about. People aren't going to get back to work. They're not going to be able to get their kids back to school, reopen their businesses, or, or have that sense of security in, in a healthy environment without these details. Okay, so you're gonna, so, so Don Davis, can you give us any more information about what you want to hear from the government? Again, uh, they're, they're, everybody's pressing to get more answers. They just keep saying we can't promise things that we can't deliver. We hope they approve it, but there could be delays. They gotta be tested, there's gotta be approval. We can't put a hard date on things that we can't control. What do you make of that? Well, uh, I have some sympathy for that. I, I agree that they, they can't say for sure when a vaccine will be approved by Health Canada. We know that there's three that are promising that are in progress, but, but I, I'm not asking for that. You know, when Brazil is releasing the contract that they signed with AstraZeneca, when Australia is releasing a 12-page plan that goes through a distribution plan for when a vaccine is available, we'll be able to roll out vaccines within 24 hours of the vaccine being approved and none of those are done here in Canada, I think it's a le those are legitimate questions to say, right. you know, those are those are plans and preparations and, and information that Canadians need and want. And, and Michelle is right. The bottom line here is our economy and the health of our population is counting on this. So we should be working together and there should be more transparency and information given to the public and to parliamentarians. All right, guys, I got to leave it there. Michelle Rumpel-Garner and Don Davies on the health. The health critics, great to have you on the program. Thanks so much. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. All right, now let's get the provincial perspective. Did the premiers get any more clarification from the prime minister on the vaccine question after they spoke on Thursday night? Do they have it now? Let's find out. Joining me now is the premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe. Premier, good to see you, and I'm glad to see that you're well. Let's start with the vaccine question. You heard the prime minister uh, last Tuesday say Canada could be well behind allies like the UK and the US getting a vaccine. You said you, then you were concerned and troubled by it. Uh, did you get any clarification from the prime minister as to when your province and others will get a vaccine and how many doses? So what we were provided with last night was... Uh, I guess a little bit of a reaffirmation that sometime in the first quarter, so out until March, sometime between January and March, that we would be provided uh, in Canada with 6 million doses, enough to treat 3 million uh, Canadians. And why it's important for provinces uh, to know how much we're getting and when we're getting that is, is, is the provinces that will ramp up the vaccination programs. And that is what we are busy trying to do with our health systems, uh, public health systems across the, across the nation. Did he give you any further clarification? What about January? What about how and, many doses? And, and, yeah, they would start coming in January, but until the end of March, they would be looking for 6 million uh, doses to treat 3 million Canadians. The rest of Canadians, I suppose, if there's any positive news, would have access to a vaccine sometime in 2021. But uh, this is going to be problematic when you put us alongside, let's use the USA, for example. Um, we're, we're going to treat about less than 10% of Canadians prior to uh, March. Um, the U.S. is planning for treating just just under 10% of Americans by the end of December. Um, so we, we need to pick it up a little bit here in Canada. The Prime Minister says, look, one reason uh, that we can't get access sooner is we don't have the domestic means to produce them. In your own province, <laughs> you've got uh, Vido Intervac at the University of Saskatchewan. Federal government actually gave them money to do vaccine. They were doing clinical tests on a made in Canada vaccine. They got, as you say, millions of dollars. 
Could that facility have been weaponized or, or funded earlier to maybe ramp up domestic supply of some kind? Absolutely. In fact, there was a request in front of this federal government uh, back to 2017. I'll look from a letter I have from um, our CEO of uh, Innovation Saskatchewan asking the federal government um, to support the Vito Intervax proposal uh, to establish the Western Canadian Vaccine Manufacturing Facility, the production facility. So this dates back to 2017. Innovation Saskatchewan, uh, which is supported by the government of Saskatchewan, was ready to participate at that point in time. So the requests were there. Um, to increase our manufacturing capability here in the nation, right here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, they were not uh, moved on by the federal government uh, at that time. And if, if we did, we would have uh, been in a little different situation here today. Oh, that's interesting. Look, I'm trying to figure out this confusion between provinces and the federal government, which is just weird to me that you guys aren't on the same page. Last week, your health, or even the week before, your health minister, along with ministers in Ontario and Alberta, gave clear numbers on how many doses people could expect and when. The, um, then the federal health minister said she didn't know where you guys got those numbers. Maybe you were just spitballing or extrapolating. Where did you guys get those numbers because you've been accused now of raising false hopes when you first revealed those? From her department, where, you know, and, and then you just extrapolate and they, they have um, what the per capita ratio would be. So if there's 6 million doses, Saskatchewan would be looking somewhere between 180 uh, to 200,000 doses, which would allow us to treat about 100,000 uh, Saskatchewan people with the two treatments that are there. So the, the information was provided by the federal government. Do you feel that the federal government has been clear enough or transparent enough, or do you now feel like when it comes to distribution and vaccination, you're behind the eight ball, you're too late? As a nation, we are behind the eight ball. Uh, the federal government does need to be clear, not only with premiers, but with all Canadians. Uh, yes, with premiers and through our health department so that we can deliver this vaccine, but with all Canadians on on uh, how, how we are going to procure enough of this vaccine in a short enough time frame uh, to, to, to actually make it accessible to all Canadians and when is that going to be. This is the finish line. This is the time that everybody's been looking for and this is the hope I think that Canadians have is that we have a federal government that will actively and ambitiously procure these vaccines in a very timely fashion. And I worry about the countries that I see that seem to be uh, lining up ahead of, ahead of Canada in, in in gaining access to these vaccines. We hope it is coming soon. Uh, Premier Mo, always good to have you on the program. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, Edmund. The military's been involved from the beginning to making sure that we provide the appropriate support. And we've been part of the planning all the way through to making sure that this is a whole of effort to making sure that Canadians uh, stay safe. This is the big one, the biggest challenge the country has had since the Second World War, getting everyone in Canada vaccinated against COVID-19 as fast as possible. And to get it done, the government has now appointed a man named Major General Danny Fultan. He will lead the logistics of distributing the vaccine, working with the Public Health Agency of Canada. So, who is he? Well, you'll get to know him well. Major General Danny Fortin served for nearly 30 years in the military, still serving. His current job is the Canadian Joint Operations Command Chief of Staff. He's the former commander of the NATO mission in Iraq. But what will the Major General's challenges be for this mission? And why has Canada waited so long to reveal its federal plan to distribute the vaccine when the U.S. and each of their states have already rolled out theirs? Are we already behind the eight ball? 
to get some insight into that. We're joined by two men who know this kind of thing well. The former chief of the defense staff, that's the top military job in the country, General Tom Lawson is here, great to see you. And so is retired Major General Dave Fraser, who was the commander of the International Forces in Southern Afghanistan and the author of the great book about the battle he commanded, Operation Medusa. Gents, I always thank you for your service to our country and great to have you back on the program. Uh, General Lawson, um, great to have you here. What are the biggest challenges Major General Fortin will face and, and, and why, why is he the right guy for the job? Well, uh, Denny Fortin covers a lot of uh, a lot of different missions where he's gathered uh, tremendous uh, experience, and every mission he's ever been on, and every mission that there is, in fact, uh, succeeds or fails because of logistics. You know, there's a, a saying in the military that um, uh, amateurs talk about uh, tactics and professionals talk logistics. Uh, and uh, Danny knows this very well. This is going to, be, by and large, be a logistical issue uh, as he uh, provides all the support that PHAC's going to need. And I, I think it's just a great thing uh, that we see two departments uh, collaborating in such a, an important effort, and, and they picked the right guy to, uh, to provide the leadership for the support. Uh, Major General Fraser, uh, talk about, I mean, you know the man as well. Uh, first of all, what do you think of the choice, but then what are his big challenges ahead? Well, I've known Danny for many years, and, and as Tom said, Danny is one of our best operationally experienced leaders. Uh, he's also worked with the PCO, so he's not, he's not a stranger to the government of Canada. And, you know, so he is, you couldn't have asked for somebody better than somebody who understands the leadership challenges, the planning challenges. He brings a national organization uh, to bear with uh, the Canadian forces and also the capabilities that can support that organization. But this is going to come down to communications and the communications amongst all the governments of uh, the silos within the government of Canada, within the provinces. And Danny is one of our best because he, he helped build and, and create that coalition over in Iraq with the training mission where he was working with a bunch of different people and organizations, and uh, he knows how to build teams. And so this is what it's going to be is about teamwork and building those logistical chains to get the vaccines to the people who need it. You, you know, General Lawson, armies rely on their supply lines, as you and you talked about that. Uh, listen, this is only going to succeed if he can get the supplies. He's got to work within government. He's got to work with the provinces. He'll have to work with the former chief of the defense staff, General Hillier, in provinces like Ontario, who is leading up that. But what are the um, vulnerabilities to the, the supply chain here in terms of cold storage, for example, for the Pfizer vaccine that has to be stored at negative 75? Right. So you've pointed out one of them, Evan, and, and there are so many. Uh, and what I do know is that uh, the naming of Danny to this position isn't the start of the effort. The effort's uh, been underway for some months now uh, where they have been working out what they uh, predict will be uh, the supply line uh, bottlenecks and difficulties. We've long known in Canada that deploying to uh, some places within Canada, the far north, the territories, uh, is more difficult than deploying to Europe, uh, and we've gotten good at it. Uh, so we know a lot about uh, getting aircraft and, uh, and types of transport, planes, trains, and automobiles to these places, um, but uh, doing it with vaccines that are uh, somewhat fragile and need to be under certain conditions, warehousing them, making sure uh, you're keeping track of who's getting it when, 
Uh, all of these things are things that right now are being laid out in uh, timelines and they're rehearsing uh, on tabletop exercises what this will look like as soon as we have access or they have access to, uh, to the vaccine supplies. Major General Fraser, some people say we're behind the eight ball already that you know even though general lawson said this plan has been worked on for a long time i mean he's coming in at the end of november uh, vaccines could be given the green light in mid-december how do you get a, a a supply chain to deliver to millions and millions of people all over this massive country how does he sort of weaponize the military and to work with the civilian parts to get this done well let's let's call a spade a shovel we are behind the time time curve here. Uh, we don't have the vaccine. We don't know when the vaccine is going to arrive. That's the bad news. The good news is Danny's a great leader. He understands the uh, the you know, complexity. He understands uh, working in uncertainty and whatnot, and he can adapt, and he has shown flexibility that with the leadership, the organization, the planning capability, he'll find and be able to adjust and get those uh, chains of, of uh, logistics built and be able to get the vaccine once it becomes available to us to the provinces where they can actually start delivering it. So this this is the right guy to handle a compressed time uh, challenge and the vagaries of uncertainty because uh, Danny's whole operational career has been in those types of environments. And working with the U.S. military probably who are coordinating the U.S. response where a lot of our vaccines are located. Uh, gents, it's a pleasure to have both of you on. General Tom Lawson, Major General uh, Dave Fraser. Uh, we'll have lots more conversations, but the men and women of the military are always stepping up to help out our country all over the world as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. What really matters is when we get to cross the finish line. And the fact that the doctors highlighted that if all goes according to plan, we should be able to have uh, the, uh, the majority of Canadians vaccinated by next September puts us in very good stead. There is only one question right now. When? When will Canadians get a vaccine for COVID-19? Did the government, who succeeded to be fair in buying more doses of potential vaccines per capita than any other country, but did they fail to make sure they get delivered quickly? The Prime Minister says that because Canada has no domestic vaccine capacity, Canadians will have to wait for countries that do to give their citizens first. But now they're saying it could come as early as January. Who's right and who do you trust? Let's find out and dig into this with the Scrum. Joining us now is Tonda McCharles, senior reporter with the Toronto Star in Ottawa. John Iveson, the National Post Ottawa bureau chief and the author of the new book, The Riotous Passions of Robbie Burns. I can't wait to read that. And our special guest this round is Amir Adaran, professor of law and medicine at the University of Ottawa, who wrote months ago that the government would be in this exact position. Good morning to all of you. And Amir Adaran, I'm going to start with you. When the Prime Minister said Canada lacks domestic capacity to produce a vaccine, it could mean a later delivery, but don't worry, we'll all get vaccinated almost faster than anyone. Is that true? Do you buy that? Well, no. And part of it is an outright, I hate to say it, lie when he says that Canada doesn't have facilities to make vaccines. The National Research Council made and commercialized the vaccine using the same technology as one of the COVID viruses just last year just a year ago. So they can do it. They have done it, as a matter of fact. Now, as to him saying that we are in Canada going to get vaccines later, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say he's right. We're going to get it much later, and it's because of serious errors by his government in not 
purchasing vaccines sooner. We dithered as a country for so long that we find ourselves near the back of the queue, which is a bad place to be when, of course, the vaccines are in global high demand and there's a shortage. So as it stands, um, the government has said that they anticipate receiving six million doses of vaccine by the end of March. The U.S. is moving that number of vaccines in a 24-hour window that we're taking until the end of March to do. John, what's your take on the confusion, the expectation game, every province? There's sort of high hopes are raised and they seem to be dashed. Where, what's, what's your take on when we're going to see things and, and the government's responsibilities here? Well, clearly we, you know, we, we ordered the whole menu, but we didn't order express delivery. Um, and that's going to hurt the government. I think that um, to this point, the government's performance, there was a Leger poll earlier this month that said two-thirds of Canadians think uh, the, the pandemic response has been pretty good by the federal government. All of that could be washed away if we start seeing other countries delivering the, the, the vaccine and, and it's not available here. Now, I spoke to somebody in the PMO who said, look, we don't expect there to be a big lag. Uh, I think we can live with uh, delivery in the US and maybe even in Germany, maybe even in Britain, where most of the vaccines are being produced. Uh, we can live with, with a slight lag there. But if we start seeing Mexico and India and Russia and Brazil, all of the countries which, uh, you know, Amir Atran will tell you, they did licensing deals with AstraZeneca and they're going to be producing their own vaccine domestically. As he said, we had uh, the capacity to do that, but we backed the wrong horse by, by, by for some reason, signing up a deal with the Chinese to produce a vaccine that clearly did not work, so they abandoned it, and now we're not producing any vaccine domestically. Right. So this is a potentially existential moment for this government, which has been getting pretty good marks to this point. Okay, so, so Amir, um, are they maybe you know, under-promising and, and prepared to over-deliver that, and, and sources are telling me, like they're telling John, you know what, we could be getting more, we're going to be getting shots in the arms in January, but even better, and, and maybe they're trying to move the goalposts, uh, Canada will vaccinate every Canadian citizen, most of them by, by September 2021, but certainly faster than the U.S. will vaccinate all of their folks. What do you make of that, Amir Adirant? Well, I'm sure that they are working hard to get a few needles in arms in January, and that'll probably happen. But the, the number that matters here, and Tonda said it as well, is that 6 million doses by the end of March is not even 10% of the Canadian population getting vaccinated. And that's delivery in March, so the vaccination actually will occur later. In contrast, the United States is going to have 20 million people vaccinated December Australia has plans to start mass vaccination in December. In the United Kingdom, you can call the National Health Service right now to book an appointment to be vaccinated if you're a vulnerable person, such as the elderly. No way will Canada come close to this. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, let me, let's get to the distribution because that's the next big hurdle. We got. I mean, it's just one hurdle after another, Tonda. Major General Denis Fortin, uh, he's been in part charge now as of Friday um, of the federal vaccine rollout. What challenges does he face and what's the metric of success for him? They have to decide how they are going to distribute vaccine to provinces. They say that's still up for negotiation. Is it going to be on a per capita basis? Is it going to be rated on what proportion any province has of either vulnerable people, high-risk populations, essential workers? Uh, 
do you somehow distribute this vaccine to um, uh, provinces on a proportional basis, uh, you know, over the months as quantities ramp up? And then they have, then I think Danny Fortin will hopefully get his head around, right. okay, are there freezers in all these provinces? Are there freezers in airports? Are there trucks at the door of the container that can take those vaccines to a point of distribution? Is it going to be a pharmacy office? Is it going to be a clinic? Where is it going? How does it actually get into people's arms? Hopefully he'll wrap his arms around that because, you know, I guess he's organized convoys to Iraq, so I guess he can do that. Yeah, John, John what about you? What concern, what are the, I mean, look, there's health challenges, there's economic challenges, logistical challenges, and it all adds up for Justin Trudeau to have massive political challenges. So, so just map out what the big challenges will be in December to, to March because that's the timeline we're all working on here. Well, I think it goes even beyond March because there will be an Auditor General's report uh, in the spring, and we've just seen one in, in Ontario. I mean, it's... It's hard to get a clean bill of health on, on a pandemic response, I think. But I do think that the, uh, when, it, when it all comes out, the vaccine will be the big black mark on this government, potentially uh, some of the testing as well. But, but the vaccine, you know, from, from day one, we were late signing deals with people. It's all a function of price. If we paid a premium price, we could have guaranteed that our, uh, the delivery would have been on a par with, uh, with some of the other leading countries. You know, I do think that uh, the government has been very uh, opaque in, its, in what it's been telling people. You know, if you remember back to the, to the uh, opposition wanted to have the, all of this in front of the health committee, the government was very reluctant because of yeah. the contracts with the vaccine manufacturers. And I think that there is, we don't know this because we haven't seen them, the government hasn't released them, but I suspect there's stuff in there that they don't want us to know because it will not reflect well on this government. We do not seem to be in as good a position as people like Dominic LeBlanc have been telling us. And some of the other messaging, as Tonda said earlier, has just been, uh, muddled at best. That's being polite. All right, I got to leave it there. Amir Adaran and John Iverson, thanks so much for that. Tonda is going to stick around for round two. We entered this crisis with a strong fiscal position, which has allowed us to provide unprecedented support to Canadians during this pandemic. Our plan will continue to support Canadians through the pandemic and ensure that the post-COVID economy is robust, inclusive, and sustainable. It's been months since Canadians have even had a glimpse at the government's books. The last time was a full budget tabled March 2019. I know we had the fiscal snapshot in between then, but a lot has changed since then. We're now well into COVID's second wave and the economic impacts have been immense. Deficits could blow past $400 billion plus, plus, plus. So what should you expect to see in the government's latest financial forecast tomorrow? Will there be big spending to support wounded industries? What about all those ambitious promises in the speech from the throne, like national child care? Are those on the back burner? And will there be a fiscal anchor? How high can the deficits go? Let's bring back the scrum. Tonda McCharles from the Toronto Star is back. Joining her this time, Amanda Lang, anchor and correspondent with BNN Bloomberg. And our special guest for this round is the former Conservative Minister and now the President and CEO of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, Perrin Beatty. Great to see everybody here. And Perrin Beatty, let me just start with you. What will you be watching for tomorrow? Uh, for the economic update? A plan. Uh, we need a plan in terms of managing COVID. We need a plan in terms of managing recovery. And we need information and focus. The key thing is for the government to demonstrate that it understands how serious the issue is in front of us and that it's focused on the main event and not get, getting distracted by sideshows. All right, Amanda. 
What do you expect to see from this? Because, man, they, they sure had, they used to talk about the, you know, the so-called Great Reset and things. What do you expect as we're deep into this second yeah. wave? I mean, I think we all expect a bit of a dialing back from the pre-throne speech rhetoric of, you know, the great building back better. Uh, we're not there yet. Uh, we are, though, we do see hope on the horizon. And so what we're hearing from economists uh, is, yes, it's hard to know exactly today what your revenue looks like because, you know, you don't know how businesses and consumers are going to do as they get back to normal. But, you know, debt rating agencies are doing it. We want our federal government to give us a really solid picture of what they see, of what they're going to spend, how much of it is permanent, uh, and how they're going to pay it back. I think Canadians are due uh, this kind of an update, and it's, you know, it's just high time we had it. Yeah, but Tonda, you know, sources have told me, look, I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, but we still have our, we're not in recovery yet. We're still in support. Are they going to announce big supports for struggling businesses, airlines, tourism, hospitality, do they get support? Mm -hmm. So look, I think what you're going to hear in this is some of what Amanda's looking for, some structure. Uh, however, I think what they are still in the middle of is a crisis. So I think the bulk of what we'll see roll out in terms of money will be talk, talking around the pandemic response, still the urgent needs that are still here. Um, I think we'll, you'll, we'll hear them talk more about vaccines, more about PPE, more about how they can help provinces. And there will be some sectoral aid, I think, economically. There will be packages for the hardest hit sectors, which we heard them talk about in the throne speech. Uh, businesses like small businesses, hospitality, travel. Will the airlines get bailed out? I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're there yet. We still hear lots of talk about when you're going to refund Canadians' tickets. Um, so look, I think there'll be some portion of it will be economic, but we'll still be a lot of, there's, there still will be a lot of focus on the urgency of the moment. And then maybe they'll flick at what they're going to do down the road for childcare or for the environment. Those, right. what, what Perrin Beattie's calling sideshows, actually, they are centerpieces of the government's agenda that was laid out in the throne speech. So don't expect them to abandon that. Yeah, but they may punt them, Perrin Beattie, way down the COVID road now. What do you expect in terms of support for, for businesses that are bleeding now? Do you think there's going to be anything new? Or is this going to be one of these, you know, here's the books, but it's not going to be a lot of fireworks, more just uh, a little light? Well, we need, first of all, a clear statement as to where we are today. Uh, you know, what is the nature of our finances? But secondly, what we have to do is to move away from one-size-fits-all programs to tailored programs that get adequate assistance into the hands of sectors and businesses and individuals who really need it. And that means hospitality, it means travel, it means tourism, it means hotels, it means restaurants, it means the energy sector, but not spending money in areas where industries are doing well. Yeah, Amanda, now everyone, when this government was elected first, they had a deficit target. Then they said, no, it's all about debt to GDP ratio. Now it's about, forget yeah. fiscal anchors. Now we're hearing it's something called fiscal guardrails. For most Canadians, they're probably just, I don't know what the hell is happening here. Yeah. How do we measure their spending and, and the kind of plan that Perrin Beattie's talking about for, for how much spending there's going to be? 
I mean, there's two pieces to that. One is you can say, you know, how do we stack up relative to others out there? Uh, we know we're spending more per capita to get us through this crisis. There should be a payoff to that. We will see, we hope, stronger growth and productivity on the other side of this. Uh, and so you could argue, you know, there's a, there's an investment in some ways being made. I will say, though, Evan, though, uh, you know, how much of this shows up Monday? I don't know. But the, the spending that I'd like to hear, a lot of Canadians would like to hear, is a vaccine rollout plan, vaccine manufacturing, uh, rapid testing, all of the stuff that, wow, we have not been good at, we have not achieved uh, high marks at. Uh, and, and meanwhile, we're still supporting Canadians, but we're not investing heavily and quickly in the things that would get them through this faster. So there's a bit of a disconnect. It buys them a bit of time to keep spending, spend more. Uh, and as you say, it's guardrails, not anchors. I don't know what language you want to use. They are going to skirt the issue in this update for sure. All right, guys, I got to leave it there. It's going to be very interesting pair in BD Tana McCharles and Amanda Lang. And by the way, Amanda will also join me tomorrow for live coverage of the economic update. That starts at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific on CTV News Channel. We will give you all the information you need to know. That's question period for this week. Stay safe. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, but we got to hold on fast to our social distancing for now. We will see you back here, though in seven short days.